Hello, and thanks for listening into the Trinity Church Nottingham podcast. We're a church in Nottingham, England, with a vision to see the church on fire and the city alive. You're about to hear a message in a series called Thy Kingdom Come, where we're walking line by line through the Lord's Prayer. Now, I hope for this series that we'll be inspired and equipped to go deeper in the lifelong adventure of prayer. I hope you enjoy the message. Well, some of you, if not all of you, I'd imagine will have come across the story in the last week of Captain Tom Moore. I, I've Honestly, I've only really just caught up with this in the last day or so, but I know it's been a, a story that has gone viral in the last bit. And if you don't know, then you probably you're furiously Googling now, who is this guy? Well, uh, for those that don't have access to Google and don't know, Captain Tom Moore is a 99-year-old war veteran who... Just recently, in the last couple of weeks, I think, or maybe even more recently than that, decided to set himself a target of raising a thousand pounds by uh, by his hundredth, by the day of his hundredth birthday, uh, by completing essentially laps of his garden. I don't know how many he he planned to start out with, but the the goal eventually became, or maybe it was initially, but it eventually became, I think, a hundred laps of his garden. And this thing just took off. As I said, he began to hope, his hope initially was to raise a thousand pounds. He topped that. He maxed a thousand pounds some time ago. In fact, 700,000 people uh, have now and more have now donated. And by the time he finishes a hundredth lap, which happened, I believe, on Thursday, over fifteen and a half million pounds. <laughs> pounds. Fifteen and a half million pounds have been donated to the NHS. Uh, just absolutely incredible. This is somebody with a heart, with some serious heart, right? This is somebody who has big perspective, who has just a, a, a huge heart, who even in their hundredth year was willing to give themselves to something else, willing to go out of their house and walk around their garden and push themselves for the benefit of, the, of others. This is somebody with a real heart. And I've been thinking about uh, Captain Tom Moore's example, particularly in the light of the scripture that's just been read as I've been reading through it myself, not least because I have felt in the last week, particularly, probably the last two weeks, but particularly the last week, the temptation to lose heart, the temptation to lose heart. We've moved into a new phase, uh, haven't we? Um, And I'm not just talking about the fact that uh, Easter's happened and Lent's now over. I'm talking about the fact that just this week, we were told by our government that we're going to be looking at another three weeks at a minimum of lockdown. That has taken us into a new phase. And we also have to say that, yes, we are now post-Lent. We are a post-Easter. And, and though that should bring, I suppose, some sense of uh, a lifting, a lightening of the spiritual temperature and atmosphere around us, if I'm really honest, I feel spiritually uh, and emotionally, I feel still in lockdown. Uh, uh, this, the way that this thing works is that it's very strange for us, by the way, but Amy and I record this. We have to record it a few days before for technical reasons that I won't bore you with. Um, but what happened was we sort of had our Easter Sunday experience full of joy. And I think it was Good Friday we recorded it um, last week. And, and then Holy Saturday came. 
on Holy Saturday. And I just don't think that I ever really got through Holy Saturday. And even on Easter Sunday, though there was this moment of celebration, it was like I'd gone backwards from Easter Sunday back into Holy Saturday. And just this whole week, I feel like I've been spiritually, emotionally in that place. And even just this, what I'm doing right now is so strange for me. It's so strange for Amy. I'm looking there because she's there. Willow the dog is down there. I mean, how weird can you get this whole thing so peculiar? Uh, Willow's now looking up, having heard her name. Preaching, which was my greatest joy, has become this really strange and difficult thing. I'm not really sure who I'm speaking to. I'm not really sure whether I'm supposed to be speaking to the church or to people who aren't part of the church. Uh, I don't know how long it should be. Uh, I don't know. It's just so difficult to figure out some of these really simple questions. And then there's this sense that we're in this for a longer period, for the long haul. And that the sprint that we started out at as a leadership team, but just as I think all of us probably, uh, embracing Zoom and all these other things that we'd never heard of before, that this, this pace was not sustainable. We needed to find new rhythms. How do we, in the light of all that, if any of that makes any sense to you, in the light of any of that and all of that, how do we make sure that we don't lose heart? How can we ensure that we don't lose heart? Well, we've got somebody to look to here. And I'm not just talking about Captain Tom Moore. I'm actually talking about the Apostle Paul because he, he wrote this letter that we've had uh, an excerpt read from, 2 Corinthians 4. He wrote this letter to a church, and who, a church who had broken his heart. He'd uh, given himself fully to them. He'd made visits to them, and he'd written already a letter to them in which he had to be quite firm with them because they were misbehaving in some serious ways. And they basically, on the back of that letter, had... Uh, rejected him, and, and really their relationship had become almost openly hostile. And that's why he now writes this letter to them, to try and, I guess, establish his authority among them. More broadly than that, this, this man, Paul, who we know as St. Paul the Apostle, he knew difficulty even beyond and before his relationship with this church in Corinth. He was somebody who faced so much trouble, trial and persecution in ways that we're about to see. And yet somehow was able to, to hold on to his heart. In fact, one a German scholar, my friend Don Williams, told me this many years ago. It's always stuck with me. He said that the thing that made Paul stand out above all people in antiquity was this. That he was the first man in antiquity to open up his heart. What an incredible thing. Paul was open-hearted. He was, if you like, whole-hearted. He didn't lose heart. I want to look at how he didn't lose heart because I think there's so much for us to learn. And, and let's just begin in the text. If you have the Bible open, please do. We're going to have some stuff splashed on the screen by the magic of George Trevor White. But this is uh, what we read in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Look at that phrase there, we do not lose heart. Now look down in verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart though outwardly we are wasting away. You see, this text is bookended by this idea, this idea of what it means to lose heart, or rather, in this case, not to lose heart. And he introduces this text by saying, we don't lose heart because we have, through God's mercy, we have this ministry. What is this ministry? Well, for Paul, it was the ministry of serving the church in Corinth and beyond, but it was a specific kind of ministry. It was the ministry of, 
If we read in chapter 3, the chapter 4, it was the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's able to say uh, in verse 6 of chapter 3, he has made us competent, he being God, competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Paul had tasted and seen a ministry, a way of operating, if you like, before God that was sweeter than anything he'd ever known. And it, and it was characterized by the Holy Spirit. It was characterized by intimacy with God through the Holy Spirit. It was characterized by freedom. The Spirit, he said, gives freedom. Freedom before God. It was characterized by a sense of God's glory, his manifest presence. It was characterized by righteousness. All of that you can see in chapter 3 on your own time. But what I'm trying to say is that Paul had tasted spirit-fueled intimacy with God. And because of that, he didn't lose heart. It was that that kept him going. And it's the same with you and it's the same with me. It's the intimacy of the Holy Spirit. It's the, it's the closeness of God himself. The Spirit of God who comes alongside us. The paraclete, Jesus calls him. Not the parakeet, that's a bird. Uh, but the paraclete, the one who draws alongside. It's the intimacy of him that keeps us firm in faith. That keeps us moving forward in times of difficulty, distress, when we are under duress. It is the Spirit of God who enables us. To live lives of freedom, even when we're in lockdown. And Paul himself was in lockdown at times, not at this point. But he was literally imprisoned at different stages. And yet he knew the joy of the Lord. How? How? Because his bedrock was this breathing, this inspiration, breathing in an expiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Let your aim be in this season to draw deep from the well that is the Spirit of God. That is the greatest thing that any one of us could do in this time. How did he do it? How did he have this bedrock in the Holy Spirit? Which enabled him not to lose heart? Well, I want to look at that now. And actually what we find is, what we find is four points. Would you believe it? So good of Paul uh, to enable us to find sermons in his writings. But I want to just suggest a few key features uh, of Paul's way of life. And the first that we see, particularly between verses uh, 1 and 6, is that Paul had familiarized himself with the gospel. If we read those verses, and again, uh, we've done it, so we won't do that again now for the sake of time. But what we see is that those verses are saturated with phrases like gospel, Jesus, Christ. Uh, it's, it's all about uh, the centrality of Jesus, the glory of Christ. Who is the image of God? That's verse 4. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. He goes on uh, to talk about God's glory. Verse uh, now 6, being displayed in the face of Jesus Christ. For, for Paul, the reason that he didn't lose heart is because he was so fixed on the centrality of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. And let me tell you, when you're fixed, when your life is fixed on Jesus, when you familiarize yourself with the gospel of Jesus, that is when you, you're able to keep and take heart, when your heart is made stable. 
What is the gospel? Well, Paul just summarizes it for us in a few words here. He says, but Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the gospel. Do you know the gospel today is that Jesus Christ is Lord? And that means, that means he is the true king. But that means that he is Yahweh. Jesus Christ is God in flesh. That is the gospel. That Jesus Christ is Lord, that he rules and he reigns, that his kingdom has come, it is coming and it will come again and it will have no end. The gospel is the good news that coronavirus is not final. That coronavirus is not the end of the story. That none of these things that uh, assail us, that infect and impact our lives is final. Jesus will have the final word. That's the gospel. It's the good news of God's activity in Jesus Christ. And when we understand that, when we fix an orbit, when our lives begin to orbit around that truth, we're able to take heart. When our lives become, when that truth becomes peripheral to our lives, we lose heart. But when that becomes the central truth, the reality and truth about who Jesus is, we are able to take heart. Heart. And we need to preach this gospel to ourselves every day. I tell you at the moment, as I struggle, uh, even emotionally and spiritually, I have to preach myself this gospel for at least an hour in the morning. I have to have time before God, getting in God's face, reading scripture, I journal, I just tell him how I'm doing. I tell him what I'm facing, I tell him how I'm struggling and how I'm uh, how the joy of my life as well. I tell him all of it. And then I read scripture and I pray. I pray for you. I pray for our family. I pray for various things. And uh, some of them are on that wall over there. <laughs> you might, just might be able to see them. I'd love to pray for you. If you have a need, uh, if you have something specific you'd love Amy and I to be praying for, please email us. We'd love to be praying for you. The point is I have to preach the gospel to myself every day. We need to do that to ourselves in order that we keep, keep courage that we're able to take heart. This is not a time, friends, for fringe speculation. This isn't a time for the church to get lost in all sorts of wondering and speculative theories about what might be happening next. It's a time for us to double down on Jesus, to get serious about, make the main thing the main thing, to focus on him and who he is. Secondly, we need to get comfortable with our weakness. Paul says this. We have this treasure, verse 7, in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power, that is God's power, is from God and not from us. He goes on and he goes on to say, we're hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. You see, can you hear? Can you hear this lament he's bringing to his church of the pain he's in on their behalf? What he's gone through for them. It's just this most beautiful, poetic distillation of a pastor leading through weakness. I was on a, a Zoom call this week. I've been on about a thousand Zoom calls every week. If I was writing this text from my life, it would it would be about Zoom right now. But I was on a uh, with some great friends of mine who are pastors. Some of them here in the UK, some of them 
uh, from the States and other places. And we all shared how we're doing. And honestly, it's very similar, some real themes. But one person particularly shared, and his name's Evan. And he shared just beautifully, so vulnerably. And it made me think, and it connected with me in such a deep way. And it made me think of that phrase that what's most vulnerable is most universal. And I just thought when Evan was sharing, I thought that's the way to do it. That's the way to lead in this time. The, this, is not about, this is not about putting forward our best foot, propagating our best content. Oh, this is the opportunity whilst people are sitting on their couches for me to give my best thoughts on this, that and the other. This is the time to lead from the heart. And sometimes the heart is wounded and sometimes the heart is full of sorrow as well as full of joy. The word vulnerability comes from the Latin word vulnus, which just means wound. Paul knew what it was to be wounded. And listen to this, we must too. And it's because we're wounded that we receive the power of God. It is the wounding that opens up a channel for his resurrection power to flow. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us. Life is at work in you. Paul is talking about what he has given on behalf of this church in Corinth. But I want to say, church, God has gifts for our city that we in vulnerability can pay the price for. There's a resurrection power that I believe he wants to release in our city. And it's as the church finds its voice on its knees through tears that the power of God's going to be released. Nobody's going to be impressed with our eloquent sermons. But our tears might just win them over. Yes, the resurrection power will be made available. But we mustn't forget that it's accessed through the cross. It is a broken Jesus, a broken Savior that we worship. He's still got wounds in his hands. We need to get comfortable with weakness. And it's as we do that, we make the third transition, which is to fall back into the Spirit. Here's what Paul says. <laughs> I don't have to stop the snot at this stage. <laughs> Excuse me. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. And it may sound like Paul's speaking there with utter confidence. And I think he is in some ways. And I'd love to put myself in that camp. But honestly, this being vulnerable, this has brought up this crisis we're in. And it's brought up so many questions for me. Fundamental questions of faith, questions like, God, where are you? I found my voice in the Psalms. The Psalms asked those questions. Jesus himself asked those questions. Well, where are you at the moment? 
Lord, surely it wouldn't be difficult for you to change this. You have the power available easily just to shift this situation. It's so easy for you, Lord. Why aren't you doing it? Some of these questions, maybe you've asked these questions too. Here's what Paul says. Since we have the same spirit of faith. And actually there's a note in my Bible. And and it says, or spirit given faith. Since we have the same spirit given faith. And what I've found in this situation, even as I've been opening my heart to, to God. Not just to you, but to God. I found this thing happening whereby as I'm asking these questions that I don't have answers to. I'm falling back into this bedrock of faith that isn't mine. It's his. And I think that's what he wants. That's how we can become people who don't lose heart. Because what actually happens is as we become honest with ourselves, with each other and with God, the spirit of God begins to supply what's lacking in us. As we speak and live about Jesus, the spirit of God begins to enable Uh, A kind of life, a kind of faith that isn't ours. It's a gift. Conversely, as we maybe disingenuously, as 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 we lean into maybe through our own power, through our own striving, a sort of plastic almost faith, a veneer of faith that maybe we feel we have to offer to people or to each other or to God. We miss out on the spirit-given dynamic that's available for the person who would simply ask and lean into God in vulnerability, in weakness, and in honesty. And there's a progression here. I believe, therefore, I have spoken. Belief leads to speech. And he says, because then we know the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead. Speech, belief leads to speech which leads us to the knowledge of hope. And because of that, verse 16, we don't lose heart. And Paul, as he is able to do, he's just sort of concluding an argument, then leads us into this beautiful sort of climax of this whole section, which I want to read just to us as I close. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is really how we began isn't it? We talked about what it means to center our lives, to familiarize ourselves with Jesus, with the bigger story of what he's doing. But when we do that, we're never just looking back at the cross and the empty grave. We're looking forward to the glory which awaits us. And there is a gift again here, I think, for us in the story of Captain Tom Moore. Because, you know, when you're 100 years old, you've got a different measure of perspective. You've seen some different things and you're able to respond and to see things like viruses with a different measure of perspective and even a different faith. And I think there's an example there for us because what Paul is doing here is to do a similar thing. He's saying, look, I'm going to look at a much bigger frame, a bigger picture. I'm going to look to the future of what God has prepared for us in Christ Jesus, that there is a glory to come 
that outweighs, and there's a play on word there because the word glory, uh, kavod in the Old Testament, means weight as well as glory. Paul's saying these afflictions are light, but when viewed in the immensity of God's future, God's eternity, they become, they are far outweighed. And we are able to fix our eyes on Jesus. And because of that, we do not lose heart. Church, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Open your heart. Open your heart to God. Open your heart to each other. Open your heart to this city in these days. God wants to fill our hearts and our lives with compassion, with love, and with honor for our city. I'd love to pray. Thanks for listening to some of our teaching here at Trinity. We hope it's blessed you. If you live in the city or live outside of Nottingham and want to connect more with the church, check out some of our practices and pathways on our website. We call them one, few, company, and many. We're passionate about encountering Jesus, becoming like him, and doing the things that he did both individually and in our lives together so that we may see the church on fire and the city come alive. You can find these on our website under the Connect tab. Thanks for listening.